Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. To learn more about Collective, you can follow us on social media at My Collective Church or head to www.mycollective.church. Now here's Sunday's message. Over the past two weeks, we have handed out just under 250 Own Your Growth journals. And if you brought yours with you today, just like last week, I have a Starbucks gift card for you. Uh, This will probably be the last time I do it. I don't really know. I'm just trying to incentivize you guys to come here and take notes. So if you brought it, come find me in the lobby after church and I'll hook you up. If you haven't been here for the past two weeks, you're like, oh, I want one of those. We've got a few left. You just got to head over to Next Steps. Uh, And if you got a gift card last week, I want to give you another one because you're crushing it. Also, some of you brought your journals last week and you tried to sneak out the door, um, probably because you're introverted and you don't want attention. Uh, As an introvert myself, I totally understand that, but don't do that. Uh, You are allowed to be encouraged and celebrated for working hard to own your growth. So don't take that opportunity away from me. Also, I'll just like start flinging them in the lobby if if I see you trying to walk out. Uh, Seriously, if you brought your journal, I wanna just thank you for doing that. Star Wars gift cards. Uh, Maybe I'll do it next week, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll do it every Sunday until all of you bring your journals. You'll just have to bring your journal and figure that out. Um, But seriously though, I, I am so encouraged by the stories I'm hearing of people in this church taking their spiritual growth seriously. Um, I've heard stories of people who started a Bible reading plan for the first time. Uh, A bunch of you over the last few weeks have checked boxes on the digital connection card to join a group or join the team or get baptized. I've had multiple conversations with people who are choosing to show up on Sundays instead of defaulting to being at home. And a bunch of you are bringing your journals and taking notes. So I just wanna encourage you to keep going. Keep investing in your relationship with Jesus and you will see a profound impact on your face, your marriage, your relationships, your career, your peace of mind, and so much more. Um, So keep it up. Um, You all are crushing it. You guys rock, but continue to pursue that growth and watch how it plays out in your life. Uh, Today, we're in week four of our series called Home, where we're talking about the core values of this church. And these values are not just collective things, they're Jesus things. And I genuinely believe that if you choose to live these values out, you will experience the life that Jesus wants you to have. And so far we've focused on the values of you belong here, own your growth and come and see. And today is about our value of faith that's bold. And what this means is that we believe that pursuing faith means being bold, taking risks and watching God move. Hebrews 11.1 talks about faith. It says this, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And so faith is believing that God is with us, even though we can't see him, because we can see him moving in our lives. One pastor named Jim Bergen says that faith is trusting that God's promises hold true, even in hard times. Another pastor named Oswald Chambers says that faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God, whose ways you may not understand at the time. And faith is like a muscle. The more you work it out, the stronger it gets. The more you read your Bible, the more you pray, the more you serve others, the more you take faith risk, the stronger your faith will become. But if you don't work out your faith, if you ignore the voice of God, if you aren't making it a practice of being here and worshiping on Sunday mornings, if you aren't spending regular dedicated time on your spiritual disciplines, your faith will become weaker. 
Now check out what the Bible says about boldness. Proverbs 28 says, the godly are as bold as lions. And godly doesn't mean people who are perfect, but people who pursue God, right? People who choose obedience to God over obedience to self. Those people are as bold as lions. Ephesians 3 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly and confidently, or we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence, right? Our faith in Jesus gives us confidence and boldness. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, since this new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. And Paul, who writes this, he's talking about this new way. That's Jesus's way. And because of Jesus, we can have confidence and we can be bold. And so we want to have a faith that's bold. And that's what I want for this church. That's what I want for you. And that's what I want for myself. Not a faith that is timid, not a faith that's insecure, not a faith that's hesitant, but a faith that's bold. But here's the thing. If we want to continually have a faith that's bold, we have to continually take risks. Every once in a while, um, I get tired of listening to my playlist on Spotify, and pretty much I get tired of watching anything on Netflix. Are any of you like that? You just wake up one day, and you're like, I hate every song in my favorites, and I hate every show in my queue. And this happened to me a few months ago with podcasts. I was kind of bouncing back and forth between true crime podcasts and church leadership podcasts. And so if that doesn't sum up what's going on in my brain, I don't know what does. But I realized I was tired of listening to these episodes that took me multiple driving trips to finish. And so I began to search for a podcast that was 10 minutes or less. And I found one called Incredible Feats. Incredible Feats is a documentary-style podcast where each episode is six minutes. And the host simply shares a different amazing achievement in each episode. The first episode was about a guy named Fearless Felix Bumgartner. Felix is a daredevil and a stuntman. And in 1999, he claimed the world record for highest parachute jump after jumping from the Petronas Towers in Malaysia. Then in 2003, he set the world record for lowest base jump ever when he jumped 95 feet from the hand of the Christ the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro. And if his name sounds familiar, it's because he is the dude who did a free dive from outer space in 2012. Do y'all remember this? He like climbed to space and just jumped out of a pod. Uh, his goal was to be, to be the first person to break the sound barrier without the use of a vehicle, which meant he had to fall faster than 770 miles per hour, a stunt that is so dangerous that every single person who tried it before him had died. In October of 2012, Felix flew to an altitude of 128,100 feet or 24 miles into outer space in a pod attached to a giant helium-filled balloon. At one point, he couldn't see because his visor fogged up in the special helmet he was wearing, so they almost canceled the jump. But he called down to mission control and they told him to unplug the visor and plug it back in. And that worked because that works with everything. <laughs> Then at 12.08 p.m., he jumped. Reaching 843 miles per hour, Felix broke the speed of sound. When he landed in New Mexico, he had set records for the highest freefall jump, highest freefall distance, and fastest freefall speed. Also, he was the first person to go that high into space in a helium-filled balloon, which is also a world record, but not as cool. But you can watch the entire thing on YouTube. And it's been nine years since his jump, and Felix has broken more world records. He actually learned how to backflip a helicopter, not backflip out of a helicopter, but actually like backflip a helicopter. And he's competed in motorsports and races that last 24 hours. 
But one thing he hasn't done is jump from 128,100 feet in the air again. He hasn't gone back into space to free fall 24 miles. And the reason why is because he's done that before. And the first time he did it, it was amazing, right? It was brave, it was courageous. But if he did that jump again and again and again in the exact same way, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It'd still be crazy, but not as bold, not as brave, not as much of a risk because he's done it before. And the same is true when it comes to our faith. Boldness in our faith today might not look like boldness next year. And this is something that's really challenging me right now because as I've been writing the sermons for this series, I've actually been looking back at our first value series that we did in the fall of 2019 called We Are Collective. And to close out this series, I actually talked about this value. And during that sermon, we announced that we were gonna do a capital campaign to move into our own space. As a church, we wanted to take a monumental risk and watch God move. And the reason it was such a risk was because we were just two years old and we weren't even financially self-supporting yet. What that means is we were still relying on outside churches for funding to help pay our bills. But we were packing out West Frederick Middle School and the staff and leaders of this church could feel that God was telling us to be bold. And so we took a leap of faith and people that call collected their church home committed over $350,000 so we could move into our own building, this building, and create more space for people to come and see and experience Jesus, right? Talk about a risk, talk about faith that's bold. But if I got up here this Sunday to talk about having a faith that's bold and said, well, because we were bold two years ago, we don't have to be bold again, right? If I said, because we took a risk and watched God move in incredible ways, then we don't have to take risks now. We would have a plateaued faith, a stagnant faith, to be honest, a very boring faith. Now, what God did two years ago is really important It's a really valuable part of our story. It's a memory that we have of God's goodness and God's presence in this church, and it grew our faith. But if we are constantly looking back at that one bold thing we did a few years ago, we will miss out on how God wants to move in our lives right now. I mean, think about it like this. The first time I asked out Ray on a date, I was super nervous. Like, what if she said no? What if she friend-zoned me? We went to a school with a thousand people. If she friend-zoned me, like there's no way I would ever get out of that friend zone. Right, what if she turned me down and I ended up being single until I die and just had a bunch of cats or something? No offense, cat people. Like, those things aren't connected, but in my mind, in my life, it would be. But I took a risk and she said yes. And after 15 years, now asking her out on a date is easy. I can literally look at her and say, do you wanna get a babysitter and go out on Friday night? I can be in sweatpants and not have showered in multiple days and I have zero fears that she's gonna turn me down. Because what, what, has, what once was a risk, what was once bold, is now normal, right? It's become status quo. Think about your own life, right? It was a huge risk to apply for that job that was above your experience and skill level, but you applied, you got the job, and so going after that next promotion isn't as scary. Going to a new church for the first time feels vulnerable and pretty terrifying. That voice inside your head keeps repeating, what if the people don't even care that you're here? What if they do a bunch of weird church things that you don't understand? What if you actually like it and God asks you to change, but you don't really wanna do that? But you showed up a few times and you realize this is a place where you can belong and it's not a risk to show up anymore. You see, what was bold a few years ago, a few months ago, and even a few weeks ago stops being bold and starts being normal when you take risks and let God move. So if we want to have a faith that's bold, it means we have to continually take risks. 
right? Not just one risk a few years ago that we hold on to, like that one guy that, that from high school that still talks about that game-winning touchdown he threw 20 years ago, right? Don't be that guy, right? We don't want to be that church. And so whether you are a collective regular who wants to grow their faith, you're someone who's been bold in the past and you've kind of settled in to this safe faith, you're someone who feels burnt out and tired and took everything and you just be here today, or you're a skeptical friend who got tricked into showing up here today because you heard there were root beer floats and ice cream floats, I believe this conversation will be beneficial for you because the life that you want to experience is located on the other side of risk and the only way to get there is to be bold. So for the rest of our time the other day, I wanna share a story in the Bible that's about an interaction between Jesus and this guy known as the rich young ruler. And this story is all about being bold and taking a risk. And it's in Mark 10, starting in verse 17. Check this out. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. Now this detail is really important, but it's very easy to overlook. Jerusalem is where Jesus would eventually be put on trial and executed for claiming that he was the son of God. And so Mark, the author, is letting his readers know, he's letting us know that Jesus is actually making his way to the cross. The bulk of his ministry on earth is over. It's kind of peaked and it's kind of on its way down. Now he's moving toward his true purpose, his death, burial, and resurrection. And while that was happening, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now this interaction is unusual because most Jewish people had no doubts about how to inherit eternal life. They were taught from a very young age that they needed to observe the law, meaning they needed to follow all the rules in the Old Testament. And so what most theologians believe that is that the rich young ruler is actually asking this question because he believes that Jesus is the son of God, right? He's, he's not kind of typical in that Jewish culture, that he's heard Jesus teaching that mere obedience to the law is in everything, that he's heard Jesus say that no one can get to the father except for through him. And so this guy wants to know, it's not about what thing do I need to check off? He's saying, if it's not about the law, what is it about? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. And so we kind of like read this and you feel like Jesus is being like a little bit sassy here. He's kind of acting like a little bit of a one-upper and one-uppers are the worst. But that's not really what's going on, right? The truth is, it's actually deeper than that. In Judaism, it was unusual to apply the term good to anyone other than God. And so Jesus is feeling this guy out. Are you calling me good because you're flattering me? Or are you calling me good because you genuinely believe that I am God? And what we believe is that it's the latter, that he genuinely believes that Jesus is the son of God. And so Jesus continues, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. So what Jesus does is he references the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament. And just a weird note about this, the commandments he lists are actually not in order. Uh, Jesus goes six, seven, eight, nine, five. And nobody knows why. Um, some people believe that these are the ones that, that Jesus thought maybe he would struggle with the most. I think he's just kind of like messing with the guy, but we're not really sure which is true. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And this guy isn't saying that he's perfect. That's not what he's doing. He's not saying that he's like God or even comparing himself to Jesus. He's simply telling him that he's had faith and he's been obedient since he was a kid. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. This is also really important. Jesus loves the rich young ruler with unconditional love. Jesus loves the rich young ruler with the same love that he has for us. 
the type of love that leads him to give up his own life on a cross. But no matter how vast, how endless, how perfect Jesus's love is for us, we still have to choose to embrace and accept that love. And that often involves risks. And that's what happened to this guy. So Jesus continues, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, Jesus isn't saying to the rich young ruler that he can earn his way into heaven. In fact, the reason why Jesus didn't congratulate this guy after he said he kept all the commandments is because salvation isn't something that can be earned, right? We cannot earn our way into heaven. I cannot earn my way into heaven. Your grandma cannot earn your way into heaven. Forgiveness and eternal life are not contingent on us being good people. Forgiveness and eternal life are contingent on God being a good God. Right? And that's grace. Right? Grace meaning getting something better than what we deserve. Grace meaning endless second chances. Grace meaning that there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. You see, the reality is that our sin, our mistakes, separate us from God. It puts a gap between us. And there isn't anything that we can do personally to bridge that gap. One million good deeds can't do it. And because of that, God sent Jesus to earth to live a perfect life and die on a cross in order to take on the sin of the world, your sin and my sin. And when we put our faith in Jesus, Jesus fills that gap. And the only way we can inherit eternal life is through a relationship with him. But that is a choice that only you can make for yourself. No one can make that decision for you. The offer from Jesus is always on the table, but it's up to us to accept it. And that means being bold and taking a risk. Because when we choose to follow Jesus, there are often things in our life that we need to get rid of. There are things that we need to walk away from. There are things that we need to change. There are areas in our life that need to grow. And that's exactly what's going on in this story. And now, if you've been to church before and you've heard this story before, it's probable that it was in a giving series and was about how the love of money keeps us from fully experiencing life that Jesus has for us. And that is very true. But this story isn't about money. It's not. This story is about devotion. What Jesus is saying to this man is that there's one big thing getting in the way of you truly following me. And for this guy, it's his money and his possessions. Right? He worships his stuff. He loves his stuff. He idolizes his stuff. So the call from Jesus is not to poverty, but to faith. And faith involves sacrifice. Faith involves obedience. Faith involves boldness. And so Jesus says, choose me over the things you own. Give up your life and follow me. Get rid of the things that are standing in the way of you being fully devoted. Right? And for this guy, it's his money and his possessions. But for us, it might be something different. It might be an unhealthy relationship. It might be an addiction. It might be doubts. It might be a lack of self-confidence. It might also be money and possessions. And so Jesus is saying to this guy, the way you inherit eternal life is to follow me. But the issue is that there's some things getting in the way of that. And so Jesus does what Jesus does, and he challenges him. He says, choose me over your possessions. Put me first. That's all you have to do to experience the eternal life I have for you. Can you do that? Will you do that? Jesus is asking him, are you willing to take that risk? And I believe that Jesus is asking us the same question. Right? Jesus is asking us to take a risk in our faith. He's asking us to be bold. He's asking us to take a next step. Jesus is asking us to remove some things from our life that get in the way of our relationship with him. In the book Love Does, Bob Goff wrote, I learned that faith isn't about knowing all the right stuff or obeying a list of rules. 
It's something more, something more costly because it involves being present and making a sacrifice. The life you want to experience is located on the other side of risk, and the only way that you will get there is to be bold. So what risk is Jesus asking you to take today? Maybe it's inviting that person to church that God has been putting on your heart lately. Maybe it's sharing your faith with someone and opening up and being real about what Jesus is doing in your life. Maybe it's praying for the first time. Maybe it's setting aside time every day to pray. Maybe it's reading your Bible for the first time or setting aside time every single day to read your Bible. If you're married, maybe the risk is is stepping out and asking your spouse to join you in reading a Bible plan. Maybe it's checking a box and taking a next step, like getting baptized or joining the team or joining a group. Maybe it's being honest about your fears and your insecurities with someone you trust and beginning to work on those issues that are deep down inside. Or how about this one? This one's a heavy one. Maybe it's bringing that sin in your life that's been hidden deep down out into the light and letting God start working on your soul. Or maybe it's being honest about your addiction and seeking help, being honest about your mental health struggles and finding a counselor, being honest about your marriage problems and actually starting to work on them. Or maybe it's like this guy where God's saying, put me first, not your career, not your money, not yourself, not your own ego, but God. Maybe it's being bold in your family, being bold in your marriage, being bold in your faith. Maybe if you're a first-time guest, it's simply just saying, I'm gonna come back next week. Jesus is asking us to take a risk. Jesus is asking us to be bold. The question is, how are we gonna respond? Today is a really special day for collective. Easy top two or three day in the history of our church. Um, At first service, we celebrated our 99th baptism. At second service, we're gonna celebrate our 100th baptism as a church. And for context, the average American church baptizes one person a year. And so what God is doing at Collective is far from normal. And taking a next step of baptism is bold. I mean, you get up on stage in a tub in front of a group of other people. Right? But it's bold because you're publicly saying that the way I'm living my life isn't working, and I want to follow Jesus' way from now on. It's publicly saying I'm a sinner in need of grace. It's publicly saying I'm choosing Jesus' way over my own. Right? And baptism means to be immersed in water. It's how we publicly declare our faith in Jesus. And it symbolizes the death of our old selves and the new life that Jesus offers. It represents faith in Jesus. It represents choosing Jesus to be our leader. And so I know that some of you don't think that you can take a next step in your faith. Right? I know that some of you don't think that you can be bold. I know that some of you are thinking that Jesus probably doesn't actually want your faith because of how jacked up you are. So let me tell you about some of the people who've been baptized at Collective over the past four years, because I think you can relate. It's been men and women, young and old. There have been students in middle school and high school. There have been parents and grandparents, people who are married, people who are single, people who are divorced. It's been people who walked away from the church, people who had never been to church before Collective, and people who've been following Jesus for a long time and just took a while to take that next step. There have been people who are in recovery, people who are currently addicted and are fighting every single day to stay clean, people who struggle with self-worth, who have been abused, who have been to jail, people who have tried to take their own life, people with doubts, people whose society has pushed aside and said, you're too broken, too sinful, too lost to be loved. And every single one of those people decided to see themselves the way that God sees them. Not the way that society sees them, not the way that they see themselves, but as God sees them, as loved, as worthy, as precious. And every single one of those people took a bold next step. And if they can do it, so can you. 
not just baptism, but any risk that God is asking you to take. You can do it. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. It's time to be bold and watch God move. In the book All In by Mark Batterson, he tells this story that a century ago, a band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries. So what they would do is they would actually purchase a single ticket to the mission field without a return ticket home. Instead of packing suitcases, they packed their few earthly belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they would wave goodbye to everyone they loved and everything they knew because they knew that they would never return home. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. In early 1900s, he set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the headhunters who lived there had martyred every missionary before him. But Mill did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. His coffin was literally packed. But by the grace of God, he lived among that tribe and loved them for over 35 years. When he died, the tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this on his epitaph. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. Batterson continues, when did we start believing that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things? That faithfulness is simply holding down the fort. That playing it safe is good for us. That faith doesn't require boldness. Right? Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. He died to make us dangerous. Faithfulness is not holding down the fort. It's storming the gates of hell. And so Jesus is asking us to take a risk in our faith. The question is, how are we going to respond? Now, if you know the story of the rich young ruler, if you've heard it before, you know that there's one more verse. And I'm gonna finish with this verse today. And so Jesus tells the man to be bold and follow him. But this is how he responds. Mark 10, verse 22. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. And this verse has been described as the saddest in the Bible. It's the moment that we actually watch someone choose their possessions over Jesus. It's the moment that we watch someone choose their own life over endless second chance. It's the moment that we watch someone choose this world over eternal life. And listen, I do not want that for you. I don't. I don't want this to be your story. I don't want you to spend your life trying to follow all the rules, but missing out on what Jesus is actually offering. I don't want that to be the story of this church. And so we have a decision to make. Are we bold or do we walk away sad? And I would say that we should choose a faith that's bold. Let's take risks and let's watch God move in our lives and in this church. Let's pray. God, if we're being honest, um, I think all of us kind of prefer the safety and comfort of a boring faith. God, we, we kind of like the idea of, of easy faith, of, of kind of a flat faith, because God, we're... We're just afraid to be bold. God, we're afraid to take a risk because we don't know how it's gonna play out. God, we don't know if we're gonna fail. We don't know if we're gonna succeed. We don't even know if we're gonna like what happens on the other side of that success. But God, ultimately, even though I think we feel safer in kind of a flat faith, you still call us to be bold and take risks. And God, we recognize that when we do that, we watch you move in incredible ways. And so God, I pray that this week we choose boldness. We choose courage. We choose taking a risk in our faith. We choose taking some next step that you've put on our heart and watching you move. God, that we don't become the people or the church that holds on to that big decision we made a few years ago, and that's it. But God, that we're constantly taking risks. We're constantly being bold. We're constantly trusting you and watching you work in our life. 
God, help that be true for us as individuals and help that be true for our church as well. Help us be bold. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.